Today's podcast is with Drew Mahin from Cloud County Community College. Uh, Drew has been the head cross-country coach and assistant track and field coach there. He's been there seven years. He's also the recruiting coordinator. They've won a couple of national championships here recently in track and cross-country, and he's been named National Coach of the Year a couple times. Uh, so Drew is a Kansas guy, went to Pike Valley, which was a small 1A high school in Kansas. He went on to Fort Hayes State as an athlete and then coached at a couple high schools before landing at Cloud County Community College. Uh, different perspective here as we talk to different coaches from all levels, all the different things that they have to deal with at a different level than certainly here at Wichita State we do or even at some of the other schools we've talked to. So very interesting conversation. I think you'll enjoy listening to, to Drew Mahin from Cloud County Community College. So we're here with Drew and from, from Cloud County. And so we've had Division One coaches, we've had uh, Division Three coaches, we've had high school coaches. And like I mentioned in my intro, super successful, especially recently there at Cloud County. So congratulations on that. We'll probably talk about that at some point. But how is everything affecting you guys since the unique situation for you guys is that it's a junior college and you guys also have lots of international kids. So how, how is all this you know, coming down at Cloud County and how are you dealing with everything right now? Well, we are actually at our indoor nationals in uh, Lynchburg, Virginia, and that would have been March 6th and 7th. So we had to fly there and back. And of course, airports were the main, you know, kind of concern with a lot of people was, are, are you able to protect yourself or not, have masks or not, disinfect stuff? Um, we took a lot of precautions on that trip to just tell everybody, wash, wash, wash. Like we're going to be out in a bigger area, of course, from Concordia, everything's a little bit bigger area, but um, it was kind of interesting to see people's reactions on our team as we were traveling there and back. Um, we got back on Sunday, the March 8th, I believe, somewhere in there. And then we got our nationals in, which was great. But then you started hearing rumors from the Harvard and the Ivy League and, um, you know, some of those schools calling it quits in the spring. You're like, holy cow, this is this is, you know, going to get way more severe than we thought. Um, and, you know, being in the middle of Kansas, you're kind of in a, in a little bubble and things tend to hit us last, whether it's recessions or. Um, major cultural impacts, you know, so we, we weren't as worried um, coming back to Concordia. We felt we were going to be pretty safe when, when we got back for spring break. So the next week was our spring break. Uh, March 11th is actually a funny story because that's my birthday. I have a twin brother. And then my daughter was actually born on her birthday as well. And then our assistant coach, Sandy, the, the throws coach, her birthday's on March 11th. So that's when everything went down on the NBA and the major decisions started to happen. So I think that's like day one of COVID is my birthday. Um, the, the second day was March 12th. Um, I think I wrote down that the KGCCC, which is the Kansas Junior College Conference, um, they suspended all competition until April 1st. And that was like, a whoa, this is real. This is, you know, something we're going to have to deal with. And we just don't know how it'll affect the junior colleges. Then I think it was March 16th when the, NJCAA, the national office, uh, decided to cancel all spring sports. So ours was a little bit more delayed than the D1s, D2s, NCAAs. Um, I think mostly because most of the small junior colleges are in a little smaller like sphere. They don't have to travel to nearly as big of areas. Of course, we don't fly anywhere unless it's a big national meet. So that wasn't as big of a concern. So 
it was really interesting to see how all the stuff kind of trickled down from the NBA to the college ranks down to us. But, um, you know, the high schools were the last to kind of hold out, but, um, we did what we could and we tried to inform our kids that, you know, this doesn't hurt them necessarily as much as it did the high school seniors or, you know, your four year school senior classes, because they, they don't have another opportunity if they're graduated and being done. It actually benefits our kids in a sense because they might get an extra year of eligibility at their next school. Um, some of our kids were still searching for marks and trying to get some really good marks in the spring to, to bump them up a level in scholarships. But I think a lot of our sophomores that were graduating, they, they'd done enough in the body of work to be recruited and get good scholarship offers. So it wasn't as nerve wracking for them as it is some of our freshmen trying to set themselves up well for the next year. So definitely, maybe not as nerve-wracking for them, but what about you as a junior college coach who probably recruits lots of kids at this time of the year and later? Like, how how's that going? And have you guys had to adjust? You know, you guys are obviously working really hard at the recruiting all around the world. And we, yeah. we are too, and we hear things about international athletes that might not be able to come over in the fall and things like that. So how are you guys adjusting things how are you doing with recruiting right now yeah and i think it's trying to be prepared in case we do get that window that it's going to open back up um, in the last year or two years we've had 15 different countries represented on our team which is amazing but it's not just europe it's not just um africa but it's the islands south america um our school has a big international population between soccer baseball, basketball, track. Um, it's really, really diverse, and it's its a great environment to learn and to, to be mixed in with all these cultures. But we, it brings in a huge issue if all the embassies close down because of the COVID. Um, how do you test? How do you assure people that they're going to be okay once they get here or that they came from an okay position and they've been screened? And, you know, just safety is a big issue, I think, right now with anybody traveling. I think I believe we're going to try and get as many of our kids that we've talked to from the fall ready, but just place them on hold and say January is probably going to be the next best green light that we get. I don't I don't have a good feeling about August just because it's going to take so long to figure out things in America. You know, we have 15 kids here that are international students and, you know, five of them are freshmen that just came in. Five of them are sophomores that will need to graduate either next December or um, they're trying to get that um, that fourth semester because they may be aware a mid-year kid. And then we have five graduating sophomores that need maybe summer school. So the mixture of kids that can't go home, whether their country shut down their borders, whether um, they had money or not to go on a flight, that's a lot more difficult for our, our type of junior college kids that we have. I think a lot of them were going to take a big risk going back home. And that's something that's hard to say. Like if you go home now and you still had eligibility and still had time to finish up your degree, maybe you don't get a, get that chance to come back. And that was a hard conversation with a lot of kids is you might go back and you might be at home, but you might not be able to come back next year. And so I think a lot of them made a good decision to put their education first, try and finish up this semester, this summer, and then just see where they're at after that. So um, a lot of our kids that would return international wise, they might have went to um, stay with family on the East Coast or down south in Florida. So um, we will return almost all of those kids uh, for the most part. But like you said, with the recruiting, 
how much it's changed you guys' mindsets on, all right, who's our fifth year guys or girls and who's the fourth year kids. We usually pick up speed late May and June. Our recruiting is so late because everybody's finding out about test scores and maybe their state meet didn't go as well or maybe some offer fell through late. So I think it's sped that up about two months. You know, Now it's really getting kind of busy with kids showing interest and kids just finding out what all their options are and what's available out there. So I think the ACT and SAT testing will be a, almost a bigger hurdle. You know, you, you guys were, it was interesting when you were talking about the timeline that was, that was really interesting because everyone's reacting to everyone else and you guys are probably reacting to other people in the junior college level. And I was getting phone calls from other junior colleges about like, Hey, are you guys still having the KT Woodman? And, you know, and then that made me think about like, okay, yeah. So we're talking about NCA, but every level has to make their own decisions based on what they're doing. And it just became like follow the leader a little bit once the first shoe dropped. And then when you were talking about international kids, you know, we've got international kids on our team too. And I get messages all the time and, and I don't want this to sound, uh, you know, cavalier, but in Kansas, we haven't really been affected by this significantly, especially in Wichita and in Concordia, Kansas. And there's people sending me messages from all around the world, scared to death for us. And I'm like, it's almost like, hey, we're 50 different countries over here, and Kansas is a country that's not been, you know, had, oh, had right. too much too many problems. And so um, somebody might think about sending their kid to the United States, and New York City and Concordia couldn't be more different than New York City and a school in Europe somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. totally different. Well, like this week, I've been on the phone with kids from Jamaica, St. Kitts, um, South Africa. And then a couple of girls in Florida were recruiting. And of course, a ton of Kansas kids that are still like trying to figure out all their options. So trying to explain what Concordia, Kansas is like to somebody in the Bahamas is very interesting. And um, some of our kids that have come over have made the comment over and over again, it's so quiet, it's eerie. Like I can see the stars. I don't have to worry about anything. And, you know, I joke that I leave my, my uh, car door unlocked all the time and my wife it drives her crazy, but I grew up in a town of 300 people. So, and, and, you know, like the, the differences in, in the cultures and how it's affecting people, this is mostly agriculture community. So they're all essential and they can't stop just because, and basically they're doing social distancing every day of their life anyway. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. When I grew up, like the people in my community are getting graded on that Google, they're tracking your cell phones thing, you know. County by county, they grade everybody. We got like one of the worst scores because like my hometown's 30 miles away. They don't have a grocery store. They have to drive 30 miles to go to Concordia just to go to Walmart and grab groceries. <laughs> like you have to travel 20, 30 miles to get the essentials. And in a big city, it might be less than a mile, five miles, that kind of thing. So that's really interesting to see how much different lives have changed. Um, I just couldn't imagine being in a big city and literally having a it's almost like you're in a cage. You can't go outside. You can't go to parks. You can't do a whole lot. But out here, you know, me and my um, my wife and my two daughters, we've been able to stay really active. And it felt like one long weekend so far. <laughs> and uh, luckily, we have some nice weather to get outside and not, not go crazy. But it is hard not being able to help one-on-one the 15 kids we have here on campus and being able to see your team and train and do things. So Yeah, it's starting to feel like a long summer. As the weather yeah. gets warmer, it's feeling like it's almost June already. So, um, yeah. so 
unfortunately, this uh, deal has maybe halted some unbelievable momentum that you guys have had recently with multiple national titles here in the last few junior college championships. And has, was that something that it's like, dang, it just not, not that you would ever want this to happen, but this was the worst time it could happen because man, we had things rolling here. Right. And, um, you know, to, to have a top five or a top 10 national team at our level is something really special because there's so many differences with junior colleges. It's not like all of them are fully funded. It's not like all of them even have dorms. It's not like even all of them are able to produce 20 scholarship athletes on a men's side or women's side every year. So it's so it's such a, a unique mix of the haves and the have nots in, in junior college. We pay for everything, even the travel to nationals. Um, out of our own budget. So every school is funded differently. And, you know, Cloud is a, is a population, uh, Concordia is a population of about 5,000 people. We didn't even have our own track. We had to share with Concordia High School, or still do share, but now they have a, a $1.2 million facility that's really, really good, really great to use. And we, we praise the community for being able to get getting that done, but we don't have an indoor track. We don't have anywhere to really jump we don't have anywhere to realistically hurdle. So when you look at what we've been able to do with the mix of internationals out of state, and a lot of really great Kansas kids, um, it's really special to see that we were able to get some trophies first. We got a couple of third place trophies, I think, two years ago. And then that kind of spurred on more of the recruiting. And once you get one or two kids that, that are great ambassadors of your program, it's really easy to sell success. And it's really easy to sell our cloud family here because it is small, tight knit group. Um, you get some people that have some great experiences and it just uh, breeds more success. You guys have done a great job with that too. Having one or two right kids for four years and being able to sell their story at Wichita and sell that experience of the Kansas state track beat. You know, mm -hmm. I remember going through high school and just looking up at those stands and being like, Oh my God, this would be amazing to practice that every day. But that's, that's the kind of things that you want to build as a program goes on. And I've just been glad that we've been able to build our numbers and build our success um, every year averaging success in the top two or three of the conference on men's and women's and then now slowly getting both men's and women's into the top five this indoor season was really cool for our kids but it, it takes so many unique kids and walk-ons that turn into scholarship athletes and you know just taking chances on kids has been really fun we, we still don't probably have the most scholarship out of anybody in our region but we're able to do it in a in a way that that makes sense with our programs our men's team is basically distance runners heavy and then we do a lot with the multis, the jumps, the throws. Our women's side has been going traditionally in the last couple of years, more of the sprints, jumps, and then um, a few throwers that have been really elite. So we haven't had as many distance runner girls have that success. But it's been really cool to see the different sides of the program. We have a women's head coach that's been here for 39 years, Ted Schmitz. We have a men's head coach that's been here for 43 years with Harry Kitchener. So that's probably our best asset at cloud is just stability i mean that that speaks volumes at a junior college so thanks for the congratulations it's been a wild ride we didn't expect to win last year in 2019 um, we actually had a false start in the four by four to kind of seal the deal which i've never heard of anybody winning before with that it didn't probably feel good to know it was you know some fellow um, kansas junior college athlete that, that that happened to with barton but we're probably not going to give it back. So, yeah, you know, you were talking about just the facilities. And if somebody wasn't listening real close, you might have glossed over a little bit. The limit, the limited amount of facilities, especially indoor, to me, is remarkable with how successful you've been. 
Um, and, and for that, one of those reasons, that was one of the main reasons, this year we were heading up to Nebraska for track meet, and I asked you if we could stop by a little, you know, stretch and jog at your indoor facility. And, yeah. and most of the kids, most of the kids in our group that were going uh, didn't know my Cloud County. Jace Kopik was with us, he knew. Uh, but he didn't really, you know, I didn't have him give me kind of speech about what they were, the kids are getting ready to go into. And as when we pulled up, I said, now, I just want you all to know this team won the national championship last year in junior college track and field. This is going to be their indoor facility. So and our, <laughs> as our kids walk in, they couldn't believe what they saw. And that's not to be critical of Cloud County. But to me, what it is, yeah. it's, to be, it's to show that having all the bling, having all the, you know, um, high tech equipment, having all the facilities are really are not really the most important part of being successful. And I think in junior college, you get that, especially because you have to do so much with so little and be creative. And from that, you have some of the greatest athletes in the world come out of the junior college system. Yeah, it, it's been really fun to see how many good high jumpers, triple jumpers, long jumpers. We probably had five to six national champions in the jumps lately. And it's been really, really cool to see that those kids' work ethic wasn't deterred by by the fact we just have a gym floor and we have a 170 meter uh, linoleum two lane walkway basically above the gym. So uh, we actually had a kid run 46 41 last year in the 400, got fourth. And for junior college, the sprints are king. Like you got guys running 10 flat at nationals every year. You got Kenny Bednarik running 19s in the 200. It's just unreal. Um, you got guys running 45 seconds in the quarter. It's, it's just crazy to see that level of talent come through junior college. Um, but we're probably one of the lucky ones in, a, in the junior college realm that actually has somewhere to run indoors. I know Colby Community College, they used to run around a pool, like a big indoor pool. They'd have to take right angles all the time or, or other places in Texas. They're just bundling up and they're, they're hitting the track if it's 38 degrees, 40 degrees outside. So we're pretty lucky to see um, the success we have with, with the facilities we have. And, you know, you mentioned Jay's topic, but we've been able to, um, I guess, keep kids um, healthy and happy, you know, like happy cows make the best milk. I think that's really important with us as long as we can, you know, try and work through some issues, whether it's doing more weight room stuff, more rest because of the tight turns we have to work with. Um, Coach Smiths and Coach Kitchener have been great about finding ways to make it happen and, you know, not necessarily killing our kids to death in practice just because we're trying to get ready for a meet. We like we we have to use our meets as a different training stimulus in junior college because we're trying to get our kids recruited at the highest levels. So I think competitions have been our blessing in disguise when it comes to indoor and outdoor seasons. So yeah, well, it was a good lesson for our kids. So I appreciate you letting us uh, stop by and, and be humbled a little bit. And uh, we yeah. we talked about that. You know, we talk about that a lot when somebody maybe is you know, complaining that they don't get this or don't get that. And it's like, what is really important to being successful? And, right. you know, and, and we've noticed whatever, we've had a lot of Cloud County athletes on our team and whether it's Kellen Johnson or Jace Kopic mm -hmm. or Tanner Brown or anybody, we've had a lots of them through the years. They're, they're all really proud of Cloud County, you know, they, yeah. and when you guys won, has won those recent titles, man, it was like when somebody thinks of their high school winning a state championship or something yeah. for the first time, it was a lot of pride uh, for those kids. I know because, Everybody kind of had a part in that through the years because you guys had that same coaching staff for a long time. Yeah. There's a bit of that family kind of feel through that. 
Oh yeah, yeah, and that's what's really fun to see is as the alumni how much that impacted their interactions with our new kids and our recruiting. You know, um, we just got to tell better stories. I think that's the major change that happened. Um, cross country season was another test of adversity. We only had six guys all year long. Luckily, nobody got a, a girlfriend and had issues there. Nobody found a skateboard and broke their ankle. Nobody was severely hurt at any point. But we we made it through the season and did really well. And our, our, those six guys are, are closer than any other team that I've ever had because they had to go through adversity. We had three guys that were supposed to come in and they got denied at the embassy. So, um, you know, in the inside of the ring, it says we we have all that we need or um, I, I can't remember the exact phrase, but all we have is all we need. And that just spoke volumes to those kids that we didn't need a lot of the bells and whistles and fancy tracks and, um, you know, that kind of stuff to get it done. Um, you know, in, in my high school, we ran on grass tracks um, around our football field. We went over to Belleville twice a week to maybe work on hurdles, maybe work on handoffs. Um, my first assistant coaching job was at Phillipsburg or not Phillipsburg, Thomas Moore Prep and Hayes. They didn't have a track. We ran on grass all the time. Um, just finding a way to make it work with the, with what you have is probably the biggest lesson for any coach going into this. And I really enjoy listening to you talk to all these other coaches and finding out what what, what problems exist in their different scenarios, whether it's an Ivy League school or whether it's over there in Illinois or Wichita State or Friends or um, Johnson and Wales. You know, it's it's important to be able to identify what's not broken and how to maximize that. So that's been really neat to see from different coaches. Yeah, I relate to that really, really well because I didn't have a track in high school either and uh, ran on grass and the meets were our practice. And so we didn't have long jump pits or throwing circles and pit, you know high jump pits. So we had to get creative. And then after I was at Kent State, I coached at Kent State for a few years. I went back to the high school level. So I went from having a 300-meter indoor facility to not having obviously any, not only not having an indoor facility, but hardly having any kind of outdoor facility. And, <laughs> and what I found was it really didn't matter. You know, it really didn't matter after a while because you accept what you have. And if you want to be good, you're going to be good. And yep. if you want to be lazy, you're going to be lazy. And so yep. kids got better, you know, no matter what the situation was. So, so anyways, well, Hey, congratulations uh, to you and the coaching staff for what you guys have done. I know you'll keep it rolling once we are able to get rolling again. And yeah. um, so, you know, everybody keep a Keep an eye out for Cloud County. Continue to do things, and I appreciate you uh, swinging by. And and good luck in the rest of the year recruiting. And I'm sure we will see you about every other week once the season gets started because we our, our paths cross a lot all the time. Yeah, yeah, I really appreciate having time to to actually have some plans now. Um, I actually had to think about what I was going to do today, but I did want to. I do a quick shout out to at least a couple other T-Birds that, that have gone through Wichita State. Randy Hasenbank, of course, had come through Cloud and coached there for a little while. And um, and your very own cross-country distance coach, Kirk Hunter, he had to spend many years with Coach Kitchener. And I'm sure they got all those many stories to tell. So it's been a lot of, a lot of fun having kids go to you guys. And you guys do a great job with your program and um, just look forward to the future, compete against you guys and come to your meet. So thanks a lot. Certainly looking forward to having Randy on here sometime. And um, I, I'm getting nervous about having Harry on here because I'm not sure we'll stay on topic. So we'll, well have to. We'll I don't know if he knows it. how to use Skype yet. So <laughs> Yeah, he's got to come over to your house and do that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks a lot and have a good one. Yep, you too. See you.